the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ephesians. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men, before other people, that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Jesus says that you and I as Christians, the church is the light of the world. And that the world is in darkness without Christ. Uh, Jesus said men don't come into the light uh, for fear that their, their dark deeds will be exposed. We live in a dark, wicked world. The evil that plagues men's hearts is like a virus. It wants to reproduce and spread, destroying everything it touches. By nature, it likes to hide. The light of Christ reveals and destroys it, and it fights hard to avoid that fate. As Pastor Gary will explain in today's message, when we come to Christ, He welcomes us with open arms. But our sin isn't safe in His presence. He hates the destruction it brings, and He will strip it away from our hearts, which is a painful process. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. The early church was entirely made up of Jews who were believers in Yeshua, in Jesus as Messiah. It's not until you get to Acts chapter 10, you see Gentiles coming to faith in Christ. And for the early church, among some of the Jews, they were a little skeptical, like, is this supposed to work for the Gentiles too? We're not really sure. Are Gentiles supposed to come into faith in Christ? So the council of Jerusalem got together in Acts chapter 15, and they considered this matter. Is it okay for Gentiles to come to faith in Christ? And the council of Jerusalem made up of the those who were the original apostles who, who were still living uh, in first century, who were followers of Christ, the original group of the apostles, they got together, and uh, plus James, the half-brother of, of Jesus, and they decided, you know what, we need, to give, we need to give some directives to these Gentile believers, because now the Gentiles come into faith, and they're presented with the, the Jewish law, and, and they're like, where do we begin with this? And so the Council of Jerusalem said, we're going to just narrow it down to a few important items. And they sent out a letter to those who were early believers among the Gentile communities in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. And this is what the letter says. It's from Acts 15, verses 24 to 29. They say, they say we have heard that some 
went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas, and this is a different Judas, and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit to us, and, and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to pare down all these commandments to just a few. And this is what they said. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. That's the end of their letter. So they talk about three dietary things and one moral matter. And the one moral matter that they focused on was, was not like, hey, it's probably good not to kill people. Or, hey, probably good not to lie to people. Or, hey, probably good. The one thing they focus on is don't commit sexual sin. Don't commit sexual sin. Now, again, because we're living in a culture these days that have really blurred the lines of sexuality and what is acceptable and what isn't and what is right and what is wrong. And it seems like we're in a day, sadly, where it's almost like anything and everything goes. Let me just give you the biblical definition in a sentence, okay? When the Bible speaks about sexual sin, what exactly is sexual sin? Okay, here it is in a sentence. It's any sexual behavior or expression outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. That's it. Now, I I know that that cuts against the grain of what is popularly believed in our world. I know that. I, I know that when I start talking about these things that the Bible speaks of, that some people bristle and, and they're like, well, we're going to send this guy an email and tell him, you know, you're just antiquated. You believe a bunch of old rules and, you know, that might be fine for you, but that's, that's not the way it works today. You know, like, like, I don't understand how it works. I mean, people have to feel like they educate me. Like, how did you even get three kids? You know, I, I just, okay, I understand the whole thing. All right. But what I'm telling you is, irrespective of what the world says, God has a precious gift. And the way that we enjoy his most precious gift in terms of a marriage between a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman, is that sexual expression of oneness that he has gifted to us. And that when we violate the way that he says is best to be unwrapped, this gift We don't enjoy it to its fullest potential. So God wants his best for us. And when we violate his best, then we do a disservice to ourselves. We're robbing ourselves. We're cheating ourselves. So I I don't say this to put any of you on a guilt trip who have violated. You're like, well, that's a pretty clear definition. And now I've kind of, I realize I violated that. The purpose is not to like shame you. The purpose is to inform you and that... Going forward, we should all be mindful of the basic definition of sexual purity and the way the Bible defines it and live our lives in such a way that as Christians, okay, this does not apply to people who who don't have faith in Christ. This won't preach on the street. I'm talking to those of us who put our faith and trust in Christ. Once we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Bible teaches there's a way to live. There's the old way and there's the new way. And the new way is God's way. And God's way is when it comes to sexuality, the only proper 
biblical way to enjoy God's gift of sex is within the context of a marriage between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. Okay, that's it. So anything outside of that. Now, this leads to the next question, which I often get. Well, then, what exactly, when you say any sexual behavior outside of marriage, what constitutes sexual behavior? All right. So that's a little fuzzy too, right? Because we had a president one time who was just like, you know, I did not commit sexual... It all depends on what is, is. Remember that? And so a bunch of people are like, I don't, I don't even know then. What is sexual expression after all? Okay, so mark it down for you note takers. I'm going to help you right here. This was helpful to me when I learned it years ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now here's what it says in the NIV, and it's troubling. In the NIV translation, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 says, It is good for a man not to marry a woman. What? Now, King James says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. ESV says, it is good for a man not to commit sexual immorality with a woman. So what exactly does that mean? So in your Bibles, in the New Testament, the original language was written in Greek. And so when it says it is good for a man not to marry, that phrase not to marry, NIV, King James, not to touch uh, ESV, not to have sexual relations. It is the Greek word haptomei. Haptomei. H-A-P-T. Hapto-O-M-A-I. Haptomei. It is from a root word in the Greek, hapto, which means to kindle a fire. It is good for a man not to kindle a fire, is what it literally means in the original language. So what does that mean? Well, think about it in terms of arousal. It is good for a man not to get to the place outside of marriage where there is sexual arousal. So sometimes when people say to me, where's that line? You know, I'm dating my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and where's that line? Here's the biblical, literal definition. The physical boundary is the point of arousal because once there is physical arousal, you got to stop. You got to stop. Because if you want to really live a pure life before God and you want to honor him in that relationship and you want to honor him in your own body, then the arousal, the kindling of a fire, the lighting of a fire is the point where that is the alarm that this is the boundary and no further. Okay, and this is all as a matter of, hey, I just I want to honor God. I want to honor God in, in marriage, or if you're not married, I want to honor God outside of marriage. I want to honor God with my body. This is all about honoring him and recognizing his standard for us. And, you know, look, I know for some of you, you're like, wow, you know, are you serious? But again, it's, it's like this is what God says for us because he wants us to enjoy his best in its proper place at its proper time. Okay, and when we ignite the passions early, we, we rob ourselves of God's very best for us. So he says here, there must not be even a hint, a hint of it. New King James and ESV says, let it not even be named among you that there is any kind of sexual immorality. So the new life is a sexually pure life. 
Next we see here also in this passage, he goes on to make a list. He says, or, this is the rest of verse 3, or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So number 13 on our list is the new life replaces impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking with thanksgiving. Uh, Because he goes on there to talk about in, in, in contrast. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking where it's are out of place, uh, but rather thanksgiving. So replace impure thoughts, motives, greed, and then he goes back to the speech with obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, replace it with thanksgiving. May we be thankful in what we say. Again, you know, look, James 3.8 says that the tongue is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. I mean, we need God's help to guard our tongue and to put a guard over our mouths that we would, um, you know, listen more and speak less. And so he, he again reiterates this whole thing about, about speech. Look at verse 5. Keep reading with me. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. By the way, that's interesting because he talks about immoral, impure, greedy person as an idolater. Idolatry is basically excessive affection or devotion to something more than God. Anything that has a higher place in your heart than God is idolatry. It can be a material thing. It can be another person. It can be an ambition. Anything that we have an excessive uh, affection or devotion to something more than we have for God is is an idol. John Calvin said the heart is a perpetual idol factory. And so when he speaks here about those who are impure or greedy, the idea behind it is people are always wanting what doesn't belong to them. They're always coveting. They're always wanting more. They're always lusting after. And in that sense, then those things become a higher position in our hearts than God does. That's why he says that person is an idolater. And they, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You, you know, you can't, you can't make God less than and still expect that you can lay claim to the kingdom. He says in, in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. New King James says, do not be partakers with them. ESV says, don't associate with them. So this is part of you know, the, the new life. And then he adds there in verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is a light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So you'll notice there in that passage I just read that there are many references to light and darkness, to light and darkness. It's number 14 on our list. The new life leaves the darkness and lives as light in the Lord. Now, notice he doesn't say steps into the light. He says, actually, we are light in the Lord. 
Uh, This is similar to what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men, before other people, that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Jesus says that you and I as Christians, the church is the light of the world. And that the world is in darkness without Christ. Uh, Jesus said men don't come into the light uh, for fear that their, their dark deeds will be exposed. There is this, there's a vulnerability to it, isn't it? You know, when you first came to Christ, can you relate to that? It was just like this, man, I, I got to really come clean in this vulnerability of coming to the Lord and just confessing my sins and just exposing all this and acknowledging that I'm a sinner and I need Christ. I mean, that can be a, a, bit, a bit vulnerable. And because of that, some people don't want to step into the light. They're like, I I like the darkness better. I don't really want to come into the light. I don't want people to see how messed up my life has been. Hey, everybody this side of the Garden of Eden is dysfunctional, right? We are all messed up and sinful and in need of a Savior. So there's none righteous, no, not one. Don't be afraid to step into the light. I mean, we all are in need of that grace and that forgiveness of Christ. But all throughout the Bible, there's constant references to light and darkness, light and darkness. And it is this symbolism to to contrast a life in Christ versus a life without him. I mean, think about what darkness symbolizes. You know, darkness always symbolizes, you know, think about what comes out at night. The creepy, crawly little rodents and varmints, they come out at night, all right? Crime rate rises at night. People like to do dark and dirty things in the cover of darkness. And so darkness is symbolic of stuff that happens in terms of what is evil. And so the call here is step into the light. Come into the light. Listen to different times in the Bible. Light and darkness are themes. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 2. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 John 1, 5 to 7, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. So, we are the light of the world. We're to be that bright testimony of Christ. Step into the darkness. Don't be afraid of the darkness. Step into the darkness and be that example of Christ in a dark world. But we have to leave those things that we used to do under the cover of darkness. And we have to be men and women and young people who come into the light and live for the glory of God. Now he adds in verse 15, he says, but be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And he says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So this is number 15 on the list. He tells us the new life is being filled with the Spirit instead of being 
drunk on wine. All right, now look, the idea here is there's the possibility, of course, that we can come under the influence of other substances. And so rather than becoming under the influence of alcohol, how about coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit? That's what he's saying. You know, don't be drunk with wine. Now, again, you know, look, the, the Bible does not prohibit one from drinking some alcohol. Obviously, the sin is getting drunk. And he, and he speaks there about drunkenness when he says, do not get drunk on wine or, or any intoxicating drink, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, in the Greek, it's in continuous action, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like constantly just... Pray for that overflowing, infilling work of God's Spirit. But the idea here is that there are, there's the possibility that something like alcohol can put you under its control and you surrender your faculties to it and often then end up doing ridiculous things. That's why he says, you know, uh, do not be filled with wine or don't be drunk with wine. King James says, wherein is excess. NIV says it leads to debauchery. You know, because when people get drunk, they, they do stupid things. I mean, they just do. Because you have no inhibitions, you know, you're, you're uninhibited now, and so you end up doing things, and people get drunk, they end, you know, they end up doing things, and they don't even remember. And they, they're taking their clothes off, and they're waking up with people like, how did you get in my bed? And, you know, they have, they have no idea about what happened in the last 12 hours or whatever. And so that's one kind of being under the influence, and not a good kind. And he says, how about wanting to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? How about, how about wanting to surrender to the power and the control of God's Spirit? How great would that be? I guarantee you, getting, getting under the influence of the Spirit will not land you in jail. Not the spirit capital S, friends, all right? That will not land you in jail. You will not wake up with someone you don't know. You will not be embarrassed and be told of what you did. And somebody has posted already on Instagram what you did and you don't even remember. Because being filled with the spirit is the greater control that we should be under. Every 30 minutes, someone is killed in an alcohol-related traffic accident. Every 30 minutes. Three-fourths of the incidence of spousal abuse involves alcohol. It's the third leading cause of death behind heart disease and cancer. Eleven passages on alcohol in the book of Proverbs. Nine out of eleven are cautions and warnings about the danger. So there's plenty of caution about that. And the exhortation is, if you're going to be under the influence of something, choose the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever read this verse? If, if you've read this before and you're like, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. How am I supposed to do that? Hey, amazing grace. Hey, how great thou art. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> What does that look like? Okay, it's number 16 on your list. The new life has a desire to worship the Lord and to encourage others to do the same. That's what he's saying here. Be in such an attitude of worship and thanksgiving that even when you converse with people, you're, you're just like declaring the praises of God. It's always on your lips. And you're encouraging others to do the same. 
And he, and he speaks, and some people have tried to dissect this, you know, psalms versus hymns versus spiritual songs. You know, it's different, it's different kinds of worship, you know, it's different kinds. You know, we can sing some of the old hymns and we can incorporate, you know, the spiritual songs, worship songs, you know, just speak and make melody, make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give me thanks to God the Father for everything. You know, worship Him and may His praise always be on your lips and encouraging others to do the same. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we explore the book of Ephesians together. With all that is going on in the world today, this letter resonates deep. It dives into the core of all that is wrong with the world, selfishness. We as people can't help but want things our way and on our time. But Jesus taught to love deeper than that. He taught to live beyond your own desires. Paul, a man who once lived recklessly for himself, wanted those in Ephesus to understand what Jesus taught. He wanted the believers to not get caught up in their own wants and ways, but to see the bigger picture. Paul called for unity, just as Jesus did. That's what community should be. Is it always easy? No. Is the reward great? Yes. If you're looking to be a part of a community of believers who have this as their mission, then we'd love to meet you in person at Cornerstone Chapel. We meet Sunday mornings at 8.30, 10, and 11.45, as well as Wednesday nights at 7. So you have options. Head over to cornerstoneconnection.cc to find out more details as to where we meet and when. Again, that is cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, we hope you'll join Pastor Gary next time, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.